and welcome to another edition of the e-commerce evolution podcast. I'm your host, Brett Curry. Really excited about today's topic and today's guests. And yes, I did say guests, plural. So we have two guests joining us today. We're talking about B2B e-commerce, which is just exploding and huge. And even if you're not in the B2B space, business to business space, I still think this is going to be important because of the incredible growth in B2B. And if you're a service provider at all for e-commerce, you need to pay attention to today's episode. And so today I have some very esteemed guests. I have Miss Carrie Weidenbach and Miss Darren Sapanik. So Carrie, Darren, welcome to the show. How's it going? Great. Thank you so much for having us both on. We're really excited about being on this uh, podcast. We are longtime listeners and uh, first-time guests. Yeah, I love that. I love hearing that. That's awesome. So, and Carrie, welcome to you as well. Thank you, Brad. It's it's great to be here and back in touch with you. You and I have worked together for years and uh, I'm a big fan of yours as well. So thank you. Good, good. Very cool. Well, I'm excited about this topic. It's, it's uh, a hot topic right now. You guys bring just a ton of e-commerce experience to this topic and then a unique perspective to, to B2B. And so if you would, though, uh, you guys have awesome backgrounds. You've been in e-commerce forever. Uh, you guys know what you're talking about. So if you wouldn't mind, give us kind of the quick the quick background of, of how you got into e-commerce and then and then how you got here. You're both at, at E7, and so we'll talk about E7 in a minute. But, but uh, Darren, you go first. How did you get into e-commerce? I started back in the very early days of Magento when it first became actually Magento from Varian as a service company. I was consulting and they were a client of mine. And uh, it is the my second time, actually, because E7 has the same story for me, but I loved the company so much I joined. Um, and so I started doing their marketing uh, before they even had any marketing and served a multiplicity of roles in that regard. Um, and then I ended up, uh, my, my final role with them during my tenure was running partner marketing for them and helping to build out the, partner, the worldwide partner program. So I had the pleasure of meeting so many companies around the world, technology, solution, hosting, just everybody. It was an amazing experience being with Magento, being part of that growth, the, the excitement. Um, and I got totally hooked on the industry at large and, uh, and then um, went back to consulting after, after I left Magento. And I'm, I will actually just because just a, a good uh, foray, I, I, I'll jump into how I ended up at E7, but I was consulting with E7 and saw such opportunity with this company and the amazing people that are at the company that uh, I, when the opportunity arose, I ended up joining them as well. So now I have left consulting once again. That's awesome. And I 100% agree. This industry is amazing. It's fascinating. It's always changing. And really some cool people, like some really smart, talented, committed people in this industry. Uh, so, so I love it as well. So awesome. Thanks, Darren. And then Carrie, what about, what about you? You've got some serious e-commerce chops as well. How, how did you get here? Yeah. So believe it or not, I have spent 12 years in e-commerce. Um, Which is the equivalent of like very... 30 in uh, other industries, I'm convinced. <laughs> Yes, it's been a long time. So my background is very different from Darren's in that I have been focused on 
on software development and site builds. So over my career, I I think I've launched around 75 e-commerce related projects uh, with teams and various aspects. Um, so I am constantly um, evolving that and looking for how to do it faster and better and just how to serve clients by making amazing websites. So I'm very passionate about that. That's awesome. And you are, you are a serious uh, agile practitioner, right? An agile ninja, potentially you could, that, you could call that it that. That is correct. And in, in the agile space, we're, crawl, we're called scrum masters. Scrum masters. Okay. Um, yeah, that yeah, sounds cool. So, so my background is that of an agile scrum master. And uh, I also love uh, the agile methodology and, and how it works efficiently to deliver projects. Yep. Yep. And, and, and like you mentioned, uh, Carrie, you and I got to work together quite a bit on, on several projects. Uh, me from the marketing side, you on the, on the, the project management side and running the dev teams and pulling everything together and just doing a phenomenal job. And so, so that's where my respect for you grew out of that. Uh, and then now you're with E7 as well. And what is your role at E7? Yes. Yeah, so I am the vice president of e-commerce. Um, so I have quite a few friends um, that are at E7, people that I've worked with before that I respect and trust. Um, so I got together with the owner, Edmund Delude, and uh, we looked at what he was doing in terms of custom software development and and I suggested that he really take a, a hard look at B2B e-commerce because there are so many similarities from what we do um, that play into the e-commerce space. And so Darren and he and I worked together to start a new division and I managed that division. Nice, nice. So you kind of helped spearhead this B2B e-commerce division inside of E7. Yep, absolutely. Very cool, very cool. So. Let's let's dive right in, and I'd love to hear more about E7 as we go, and, and and sprinkle in other other fun stories as you guys have them. But let's talk about B2B e-commerce and and how it's different from traditional e-commerce. Because when most people think e-commerce, they think B2C, right? Business to consumer. They think Amazon and other other product sites, you know, shoes, apparel, things like that. Uh, but is there really a big difference between B2C and B2B? And if so, what what is it? Yeah, so I I think at its core, it really is different. So when you think about business to business, you have to consider that that your customers belong to a company um, and that people in that organization can play very different roles uh, when buying an e-commerce. Um, they might be in a buyer or they might be a manager at a, at a prover level. Um, we find that the order quantities are much larger uh, payment types are different. It's not not always credit cards. It can be ACH or POs or COD. Um, and each customer may have a unique contract. Um, that contract could have different pricing and discount structures. And it's really critical that... Different payment you know, terms, potentially, depending on the, the client. Different payment terms, yeah. ab absolutely. So it's really critical that when customers are ordering the products, it needs to be fast and efficient because they're ordering so many different products at once. So there's a lot of elements that are unique. Great. Any, anything you would add to that, Darren, in terms of just the, the uniqueness between B2C and B2B? No, I, I think that, I mean, she hits on all of the right points. And I think what also is important is that, you know, you've got people here who are buying for a living, right? And so while they have 
grown accustomed to shopping online in their personal life. What we're now seeing is these folks are now demanding the same sort of conveniences and frictionless buying that they are used to in their personal life, in their in their professional life. And so there's a lot of crossover, but there's also some extremely unique differences because of the, who that customer is, how they buy and what they buy for. Do you mean that there are some people that don't like to deal with salespeople, that maybe they just want to order online rather than going through the, the pitch and all, all the hassle? I would definitely say that's true. <laughs> that's one of my favorite things, man. I, I, come to, I come to the office just so I can take sales calls. That's why, that's why I come. Uh, but it's so true. And, and that, you know, it's one of those things where once you start ordering online, you think, man, this is just amazing. Then why can't I do this at my company? Why can't I order, uh, you know, the, the stuff for my office, the, the tools, the widgets, whatever I need? Uh, why can't I order that online as well? So, so that makes a ton of sense. Um, uh, you know, I've read lots of stats and you guys may know them by heart. I, I would quote them, but I know I'd get them wrong. Uh, you know, B2B e-commerce has grown like a zillion percent or something. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, so it's growing rapidly, growing even faster than B2C e-commerce, right? But why, why is it that some B2B companies have been slower to adopt e-commerce? I think they're coming along, but there's still been some that have been fairly slow to, to jump on board. Yeah, I... It is true, right? It, it, you know, um, we saw a tremendous rise over the last 10 years in B2C e-commerce, and it has become quite commonplace. But interestingly, on the B2B front, there's been extremely slow adoption. And I think there is there's a multiplicity of reasons. Um, but I think that primarily they're looking at it like, look, if it ain't broke, don't fix it, right? I've got a sales model. It works. I've got great sales guys. They, they hustle, they go out. These are the road warrior kinds of sales reps. Um, but the problem is that that has become very short-sighted and it is putting those kinds of companies at a competitive disadvantage because while there's a big investment that is required for implementing a B2B e-commerce site. If they don't do this, the new generation of people coming up in both from the buyer standpoint and internally in these companies from a managerial standpoint, they're all going to demand that these conveniences are made available to them or the, you know, the people inside that B2B seller, the, the, those managers that are now coming up are going to be shaking their heads going, why are we still doing it this way? There's so many efficiencies that we can achieve with a B2B e-commerce site. So while their model may not be broken, there are so many advantages that they're not taking, uh, you know, they aren't taking advantage of um, by implementing e-commerce that they're going to start falling drastically behind. Yeah, and, and you got to pay attention to the market, right? You gotta have to pay attention to where the market is going. And just like the, the Wayne Gretzky quote that I love, you know, you skate to where the puck is headed, not where it is now. And, <laughs> mm -hmm. and, and you know, B2B buyers, they want to buy online. So you've got to be preparing and moving in that direction. Um, mm -hmm. We picked on salespeople a little bit, or I picked on salespeople a little bit. And, and that was a little bit unfair because I am a salesperson and we we're all in sales to a certain degree, but nothing wrong with being a sales rep at all. Uh, but I know that can often be a source of friction inside the organization. So you, we make this push to say, okay, hey, let's develop this e-commerce presence. Salespeople are territorial uh, in more ways than one. And so they think, no, no, that's going to eat it, you know, take sales out of my pocket and that's going to make things harder for me. And then does mm -hmm. that mean you don't need me or don't love me or don't want me anymore? So what advice would you give to either the company or the sales reps and how should they think about e-commerce? Mm -hmm. I, I 
I believe that this is one of the reasons that there's been slow adoption. And it's really unfortunate because it's a misunderstanding of how e-commerce can be used. It is certainly not the death of the salesman. Um, it's important for both the, the company and their sales reps to understand how e-commerce can benefit their business, their sales, their costs, right? It lowers costs. Um, it can really improve client engagement. And what it does is it changes the role of the sales rep. They no longer serve that role as transactional order taker because technology takes that on. Now they have a strategic role to play. They can focus more on business development, both within clients they already have, right, to expand their their role within the client and the business that comes out of that client, and to broaden their the, the number of clients that they have. They can work more on business development and play a more strategic role within their own company and with the clients. I completely agree, Darren. I mean, the sales rep should spend their time building relationships and finding new opportunities. And what, what the e-commerce site does it is it just streamlines all the administrative aspects of a salesperson's job. So if I were a full-time salesperson, I would want to not have to do all that legwork and let the e-commerce store do it for me. Yeah, order taking is the worst part of, of being in sales. I think most people would agree with that, like <laughs> writing up the order, filling out the paperwork. That I'm terrible at it. I'm absolutely terrible. Maybe that's why I started my own company was so I didn't have to do that to that piece <laughs> of it. But yeah, really the, the value is in building relationships and, and being persuasive and, and, and connecting with clients. And so that's what a salesperson should be doing, not uh, taking orders. I, I fully, fully agree. And I have one more thing I want to add on that. One of the other things that's really important is that when companies, it's important for the sales rep and the company to know that when they adopt an e-commerce strategy, they can also change their sales rep's compensation plan. And it's very critical, right? Because while the sales rep previously may have been compensated on a certain number of orders that he takes, just because the e-commerce site is taking those orders now doesn't mean that that rep doesn't get compensated for the sales that come in through their client. So I think that's really important as well. They need to understand that this is not going to, it does not need to negatively affect your compensation. Yep. I love that. And I think that's exactly the way to approach it without a doubt. So, so for companies that then they're saying, Hey, our sales model's working like this is, this is clipping along just fine. What, what other things might you use to inspire them to go digital, to go e-commerce? So aside from the fact that just everybody likes to buy online, what, what else would you say to push them towards e-commerce? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, everybody these days is talking about the connected world and the internet of things. And the truth is, is that if companies don't change with the times, they're likely to get caught off guard because their customers are going to migrate to companies that provide better ways of engaging, right? We've seen this happen time and time again uh, with, you know, large shifts in the marketplace. So I think it's really important that companies get ahead of that curve so that they're not left behind. I mean, really nobody wants to fax or email in orders. That's, that's just the old way of doing things. Um, and I get that, you know, entering the digital age is, is the big challenge uh, for people. I, I remember uh, working on a project just a couple of years back with a company that had been selling um, through a catalog for about 40 years. So like really entrenched in their business and, and working that way. 
And transitioning everything online meant that they had to change how their entire back office worked. Um, but they knew it was worth it. And so they buckled down and they worked through every step of figuring out how to move their business forward. Um, and reducing the overhead from taking orders all the way through fulfillment really allows a company to focus on what's important. Uh, in the end, it's serving clients and employees better. And I think that's what every company wants. Mm-hmm. That's a, yeah, that's right. And, and what, what the e-commerce site does is when that sales rep isn't there, right? So that model may be working great, but the sales rep can't be at all places at all times. The e-commerce site is. So all of that product information, everything that the buyer needs to do to place their orders is available to them, obviously, 24-7. The interesting statistic is that when a company implements an e-commerce site, their average order value goes up. It wasn't that the sales rep previously wasn't doing a great job. It's just that now when that buyer is looking on that site and they're looking at the products that they need and you implement some great upsell and cross-sell capabilities on that site, guess what happens, right? You have now, you've now engaged them at a deeper level and you are doing some selling online versus having a rep having to constantly go out and do that. Um, So the numbers will prove themselves in very short time. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, you know, Carrie, you mentioned the Internet of Things, which is which is interesting. And one of the things that I like to pay attention to is, is you know, uh, subscription based purchasing. You know, we're doing this more and more uh, for our family, you know, doing subscribe and save on Amazon and things like that. Or, you know, you got, you got things like the, jeez, uh, 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 I just forgot the name of it, but the button you press, you know, to reorder tight or whatever. Uh, do, do you see any any trends like that? kind of creeping their way into, into B2B. And I know that may still be a, a bit of a step ahead. Like we're, we're trying to still convince B2B to get on e-commerce to begin with. But do you see uh, some of those trends like the subscription models and, and uh, purchasing without even the, the need to, to go through this order process every time? Any, anything there? Yeah, absolutely. I think subscription model purchasing is huge for B2B. Uh, there's there's a ton of replenishment models when it comes to B2B where they order on a continuous cycle. Um, you know, B2B sites need to make the, the reorder process very simple. And there's some really cool things you can do with analytics by monitoring how your customers are ordering and how frequently and targeting your campaigns. Uh, based on that historical information and, and, you know, getting really smart about how you do your B2B sales. So there's a lot of cool things when it comes to replenishment and subscriptions. Yeah. One of the, one of the most basic fundamental elements of a B2B site that's very different from B2C is the fact that you have to have quick reorder capability because buyers go in and they reorder the same thing over and over and over again because this is what they're running their own manufacturing, you know, plants on or whatever, right? So if you're ordering screws, you're ordering a thousand a week, every week, week after week or whatever you do. Got it. So that reordering piece, the subscription piece is, is very, very important. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Carrie, you mentioned something about, you know, watching analytics and kind of crafting campaigns accordingly. Uh, do you mean by that, like like using the, the data so that salespeople know what to present better? Or do you mean uh, using the data then to influence your email marketing or, or other outbound marketing or, or any other thoughts there? 
I think both of those things. So if you have a customer that typically orders every month and, you know, time goes by and they haven't, you know, you can set triggers to reach out for your sales rep to reach out to them um, at the appropriate intervals. You could do that with a rep or an email. Yep. Yep. And, and I think the more automation you can use, the more tools you can use to make sure things don't slip through the cracks, uh, the better. So uh, what, so, you know, usually in, in companies, there's going to be some champion, you know, someone who's saying, Hey guys, we gotta make e-commerce a real push here. We have to put some energy behind this and budget behind it. Uh, what, what can you, uh, what would you suggest that the e-commerce champion do to support their cause? One thing is there's tons and tons of data out there right now. B2B e-commerce is, I think, the sort of favored topic of a lot of the analyst groups. And there's just tons of stuff out there that can support that cause, numbers galore. Um, and, you know, figures like most of the B2B companies today will be selling products online by 2020. So if you're the guy that's not, yeah, you're going to be at a significant disadvantage. Um, other things like, you know, if you're selling less than 10% online today, chances are your competitor is doing a whole lot more. So look out. 70% um, of B2B demand is going to be moving online. So all of these numbers point to that cause. And I think also there is this need to look at the cost savings. So in terms of your own operations and infrastructure, how you can achieve cost savings also through a, a B2B e-commerce site will help make that case. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think, um, you know, focusing on like all the stats that Darren said, but, you know, thinking of the cost savings that you'll achieve by implementing a B2B store. So, you know, reducing the phone orders, reducing all of your support calls, making your e-commerce site the hub of operations. And like we just talked about all the advantages that you can get by the data intelligence that you achieve with a, with an e-commerce store uh, that you don't have through typical ordering processes. Yeah, it's a big shift. I mean, we know that, right? And if you're the champion inside the company, you're executives who may be very old school um, and have done a great job of building an incredible business. It's going to be hard for them to make this transition. And it may be also hard for the clients to make this transition, right? You, you know, just because you build it doesn't mean they'll come. So, you, you know, there's going to be some effort put into the marketing uh, in showing your clients what's now available to them and how easy doing business with you is. But honestly, once this is done, the benefits will be realized immediately. Yeah. And that, that's a great point. I mean, I think just like with anything, e-commerce or marketing or digital, you know, you have to, you have to implement and then iterate, you know, launch and iterate and, and keep running through that process. Any tips you'd give on, on how to involve the customer maybe from the get go? Because, you know, I think maybe part of the reason that, that B2B companies are saying, no, the, you know, the sales process works. If it's not broke, don't fix it. Um, so they, they're fearful they'll either make things too hard for their customers or that, you know, you know, you know, or that it's too expensive, I guess. But um, how should companies involve their customers as they're looking to, to go e-commerce? I love companies that start off with a, like a beta set of customers to try out their new site in B2B. So you, you get your favorite group of customers that you're really close to and you let them kick the tires and make improvements to it um, and really get it working seamlessly, I think is a great way to kick off a B2B site. 
Yep, I love mm-hmm. that too. And yeah, don't skip that step. I think people are tempted to uh, think they know exactly what their customer wants, and so they'll build it and then just launch without getting any feedback. And I think that that can lead to problems. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, and I think what you absolutely. say there, Brett, is ask them what they want, right? So don't be afraid to reach out to your clients and ask them, what do they need? What do they want to make business, doing business with you easier, better, you know, more productive for, for everyone? And I don't think companies do that a whole lot. And just because a buyer may not be coming to you and saying, hey, you guys got to go online because all my other suppliers have online sites and, you know, you guys are the ones that don't. Just because they don't come to you and say it doesn't mean they're not feeling like, oh, God, these guys are getting to be a little cumbersome to do business with now because I got to wait for the sales rep or I got to make the phone call. I have to fax the order in. If they're, you know, just because they're not complaining doesn't mean that they're not feeling that pain. Yeah, totally agree. Totally agree. Uh, Carrie, you, you mentioned something earlier that I thought was kind of interesting. You talked about the e-commerce site as a hub. What, what do you, what do you mean by that? Can you expand on that a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. So if you can envision it, right, that the e-commerce site kind of sits in the middle of your operations and it has data coming in from all sides. So it's a great way for customer acquisition, right? And an SEO and people to find out about your company. And then you want to make sure that you connect it to all your other systems. So your ERP, order management, shipping and fulfillment, your accounting system, your CRM. Uh, It's really critical that when you do an implementation, you evaluate the entire operation. We always look at companies as a holistic entity, uh, not just setting up the e-commerce site because we don't want the e-commerce site to be a silo in the organization. What we see is customers achieve the most savings when everything is integrated. Got it. Got it. Makes makes perfect sense. Um, let's talk a little bit about, about mobile you know, in, in, in our world, and, and I live a lot in the search world and, and advertising world, and, and obviously, you know, we all know that now more searches take place on mobile than on desktop, and everything is kind of going mobile. But is that as important in the B2B space as it is B2C? Talk, talk mobile for just a minute, if you would. I would argue that it's uh, equally as important, if not almost more important, because what's happening is you're the buyer and you're, you know, you're buying for a manufacturing line, let's just say, right? Um, so, you know, you need all kinds of different parts from your suppliers and you're walking around, you're going about your daily business and there's questions about a, a spec for a product or something, right? You want to be able to get to that information as quickly as possible. And having mobile access to all of the product information is, is vital um, because this is going to then, as Carrie pointed out earlier, you're going to cut down on those customer service and support calls with very simple questions that today they may not have access to. And then of course, the other thing is when they need status on an order, right? Uh, they can go in, they can view their account because with B2B sites, everything can be set up with various account permissions. So they can go in, they can see everything about their orders, their order histories, shipping status, everything. And so just think about them having that ability on their mobile devices at their fingertips instead of, again, having to call the supplier and ask for all that information. And when it comes to quick reorder, they're again, right? Perfect. I need, I know now I need my, you know, 
whatever, my, my huge order of uh, plastic cups because it was after 4th of July weekend and my store is now out of plastic cups. Great. I'm going to go to my supplier, click my reorder, done. Uh, you know, order on its way. Easy peasy. <laughs> yeah, and I think I think a lot of B two B companies probably underestimate how removing again, kind of removing friction in this in this area will mm-hmm. increase sales. But if I can mm-hmm. get if I'm in the field and I'm working on something and I need information, if I can get that on my phone or on, on the tablet that I'm carrying, that helps me tremendously. If I can then order something or check something on my phone or tablet while I'm in the field, that helps too. So I, I think it's a it's a great customer support tool, but also you're just going to sell more. It's going yeah. to increase business. So I know people will be fascinated about this. I was fascinated about uh, by this as well. Uh, Oro Commerce. I know you guys are working a lot with Oro and, and you guys both have experience with different platforms and you know every platform I think has its has its place, uh, or at least for a period of time anyway. Um, Oro Commerce, so talk about what it is and, and kind of who's behind it. Yeah. So um, it, a lot of people probably have not heard of it and that's not surprising. It's new. Um, the company is called Oro Inc. They started out with a product for e-commerce, CRM for e-commerce. So it was Oro CRM. And then they saw the opportunity for B2B e-commerce and created a platform very specifically for B2B sellers. It's the only platform out there built from the ground up for B2B very specifically. And I think that one of the things that people will find most interesting and will attract them to Oro Commerce is who is behind it. Absolutely. It is Yoav Kutner from, so he was the co-founder of uh, Magento and the CTO of Magento and really behind the Magento platform. And Jari Carter is the other co-founder of Oro and he was the VP of sales at Magento. And Yoav and a very esteemed team of developers that he worked with at Magento um, have built the Oro commerce platform. So you honestly, cannot get better pedigree than the folks that have built the Oro Commerce platform. And this is why we chose them. Uh, two reasons, really. One, because it's the only platform out there that really serves the need of the client that we're going after. But the other is that Carrie and I both believe wholeheartedly in the team that is behind this. Um, we, we could not hold them in higher esteem and have the greatest of respect for them. And I can tell you, they've just done an amazing job. Yeah. And I think, I think you're right to hold them in that, in that kind of esteem. I mean, just, the, you know, look at the success of Magento and how that grew from so small to just exploding and being the most popular uh, platform and all that. And, and, and Yoav obviously was uh, the co-founder there. And that's just an awesome story. Uh, what, what about Oro attracted you, Carrie? And, and, and kind of, if you could maybe talk about some of the, some of the benefits, some of the differences between Oro and, and other platforms. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, what I like about it is it has these unique B2B features that you really can't find in any other platform. Like I, I've never seen them before. Um, so like a lot of the features we've talked about that are necessary in B2B, uh, tiered pricing, quick reorder, bulk orders, uh, the, you know, custom pricing that's necessary or can do 
unlimited levels of custom pricing. Um, you know, that's, that's really unique. Um, one of the things that's, that's cool that I haven't seen before is it has a customizable workflow in the back end. So in case you need to create a, a customized registration workflow, uh, maybe you need to approve customers before they can buy on your site, or let's say you have a custom checkout flow. Uh, so say you have a buyer in your company and their limit is $1,000 of merchandise they, they can buy. You can set up the workflow so that then that order goes to their manager and their manager can approve it so that it can continue through the process. Um, that's something that's easily created in Oro. Uh, it's really cool. So some of those things that, the, that, that may be possible in other platforms, but we just take a ton of custom development and a ton of effort. Those are those are features that are that are right there out of the box in Oro. It sounds like. Yeah, absolutely. And just just last week, um, we were doing a demo for a client. That client really wanted to see the multi-store functionality in Oro. Um, so very quickly, we we set up a demo with all the information needed. And literally right on the fly in the demo, we were able to create a second store um, and remove half of the, the catalog from the first store, from the second store, right on the fly in the demo. Um, and normally I wouldn't do something like that in the demo. It's it's pretty complex stuff, but Oro solid. So we feel a lot could go showing. wrong and you could look very silly if you do yeah. it on the fly. In, yeah. In yeah, that's very cool. Um, well, we talked a little bit about, uh, you know, I mentioned automatic reorder and subscribe and save and things like that that we're doing uh, on Amazon. And so, you know, behind, I think one of the important things to remember for everybody in B2B is that behind the B is always a C, right? So behind that bed business buyer, there is a consumer and that consumer is doing stuff on their own. They're shopping on Jet, they're shopping on Amazon or other, you know, Nike.com or other places. And so they're kind of used to that experience. Not that they necessarily want to enjoy shopping for nuts and bolts as much as they enjoy shopping for new sneakers, but, but there's still, you know, this mindset or this experience that you get when you know, you're shopping in a, in a B2C site that you might not get on a B2B site. So anything there that B2B companies need to consider as they're crafting and shaping the, the shopping experience? Yeah, I think what you said is so true. I think, you know, it's, it's set the level of experience that people expect when buying online. Um, you know, everybody uses Amazon and Amazon Prime. And so they've really set the bar high on that. And so it's important for everybody to consider that. But I think when you're engaging your B2B customers, you want to make sure that you provide them as much information about your products as possible because they're the ones that are going out and, and reselling your goods. So you want to have client reviews, videos, um, promotions, and all of those things so that people buying your product can translate that information to their, to their customers and really be an advocate for you. Yeah. And I mean, isn't it, I mean, if you think about why some B2C companies are, are great and, you know, why does Amazon dominate, you know, it's because they really understand their customer and, and they, they don't just say we're customer centric, they really are customer centric. And so, you know, I think it all, also just goes back to what, is, what does your customer want? So your buyer, you know, that, that's that's sitting in a, in a factory and they're, they're, they need to buy stuff for the assembly line or whatever, 
like what is it that they want? You know, what what is it that's going to make their job easier, faster, better? Um, you know, I'm, I'm sure that things like site speed and quick load time and, you know, mobile compatibility, all those things work. But uh, ultimately, doesn't it just come down to kind of knowing what your customer wants and then and then delivering that? Yeah. And, you know, there's something interesting in the uh, when people use the Amazon model to compare any, you know, any other e-commerce site with Amazon at its core is um, essentially a, a, a site catered for the highest levels of accurate search. Yep. People will actually use Amazon the same way they use Google. Yep, and absolutely. you go in, right, and you use it as, as search functionality. We have looked at a lot of companies who have online ordering, but I would not say that they have an an e-commerce site. And here's where the difference is. I could go to a site that has online ordering for, let's just, uh, let's say like, um, you know, some, all kinds of, of uh, hardware that they sell. Okay. It would take me a minimum, a minimum of half a dozen clicks to get to the product that I want, because what they'll do is typically they'll divide it out by category. Right. Then they divide it into, then I click the category. Then I get uh, some subcategories. I click my subcategory. Then I get a list of products. Then I have to click into the product. Then I get the specific product in the size that I need it. And then I can add to cart way too many steps. Not okay. A B2B e-commerce site can set up all these attributes, right? You can set up all the filters that you need. We can set up very intelligent search. And now when I say that I need a screw of this metal type and this dimension, boom, I get it. And so, again, we go back to that frictionless buying experience. And I would say that for a lot of B2B companies out there, just because you have an online ordering system doesn't really mean you're serving your client the way they want to be served, as you pointed out, Brett. Yep. Yep. So true. Yeah. And you make, them, make people jump through hurdles like that, man, they just begin to resent you and they... They hate their own life at that point. <laughs> just, just no, no good. So making making that easier and and yeah, and so bringing up the Amazon thing, you know, I think so many people they say, okay, nobody sells like Amazon, so I'm going to look at an Amazon product detail page and I'm going to make my product detail page just like that, and and that's often a mistake. Like so, mm -hmm. you know, Amazon exists and they succeed because of their context and because of who they are and because of what they provide, right? So so mm -hmm. some merchants may. Do way better if you make your product detail page a lot simpler uh, with mm -hmm. less mm -hmm. data there, especially if you're driven on mobile and, and other things. And so um, yeah, I think you have to look at, at why something is successful, not just, oh, that's successful. I'm just going to copy it. Mm -hmm. um, and so, so, yeah, really understanding what does your customer want? How can we make this painless? How can we make it easier? And, and that, I think, will we'll win the day in the end. So um, is, there, is there a real difference? Does it matter what you're selling, right? So uh, in the B2B context, should someone say, well, yeah, but what I sell, you know, I, that can't work in e-commerce. So I sell a commodity. I sell something that's just boring, whatever. Um, does it really matter what you're selling? It, it it does not. I mean, if if you look at commodity kinds of products, right, um, there's actually equal if not greater reason and obligation for that company to set themselves apart from the competitor. Because if I and 10 other competitors are basically selling the same thing, then it's up to me 
to make the experience that my clients have with me better and easier. It's up to me to make sure that the client is properly educated on the, on the products, whatever I can do in order to set myself apart, even in a commodity space is going to garner me that client over the long run and more orders from them. I agree. I think in a, in a commodity based business, it comes down to, to user experience and, you know, and I'm sure price weighs into that. Um, but, uh, I had an experience of building what I think is a commodity based business, you know, banking supplies, right. I'm sure you can get coin rolls and money wraps all over the place. Um, but they really tried to set themselves apart and based on their experience, their design. And they did this cool thing, which I thought was really fun. They shipped candy with every order because they were sure the women in the back office of the banks wanted that candy. Um, so I thought that was a cool strategy to differentiate themselves. Yeah. And really, if, if it comes down to it, I mean, if, if I can buy coin rolls from anywhere and actually I, I only use Bitcoin now, so I, I don't need uh, uh, coin rolls, but uh, <laughs> you don't need coin rolls. <laughs> <laughs> so it's so last century, you know, but, but yeah, yeah but it, so if you're going to order that stuff, uh, coin rolls or, or whatever, and it's the same price everywhere, then yeah, I want to go to the place that makes it fun and the place that thinks about me and then sends me some candy or, or whatever the case may be. And that, that's an awesome example. I love that. Uh, good. What what advice would you give to somebody then? So the company that's thinking about, okay, uh, either we have no e-commerce presence and so we need to explore that or, yeah, we're kind of, uh, we kind of have online ordering, but we need a real e-commerce presence. What What advice would you give to them? What should they do next? I really advise them to absolutely look at what's, what's available today as in these platforms, you know, the, the functionality that's out there now is, is leaps and bounds above what was available just a year ago. Um, you know, and, and you can get up and running on an e-commerce store that has a ton of B2B specific features quite cost effectively. So the market's really changed. There's a lot of, a lot of benefits that might not have been there just a couple of years ago. And I think that one of the things that B2B companies have to do is to look at themselves um, as a company that can sell online and to stop saying, I don't think it's for me because I only sell pipes, right? Or I sell heating and air conditioning supplies. Um, I sell cups and, and plates to restaurants. The, all of these things can be ordered online. A B2B seller is anyone that basically has, it, that manufactures a product, that distributes a product or sells via wholesale, right? If you sell to another business, then you are a B2B seller. And there's, uh, we haven't encountered anyone yet that couldn't do this online. We've got people we're talking to that sell everything from coffee to medical supplies to paper goods. I mean, it just runs the gamut. Um, and so people need to open up their minds to what is available to them in how to make their selling model more efficient and more cost-effective. Great. And I think what's what's kind of flawed in that in that thinking you uncovered there that, that a lot of there that some anyway B2B companies have is they think, well, I just sell this or I just sell that or I'm just, you mm -hmm. know, I'm just this. It's not about you. It's it's what it's about what your customer wants. Yeah, and they and point. they want e-commerce, right? It's so your your main job is just to make things easier and to provide value, to provide benefit to your customer. And and that's what 
e-commerce can can allow you to do. So, perfect um, point. Yeah, well, ladies, this has been phenomenal. Uh, love chatting about uh, anything e-commerce related and B two B is is fascinating to me. You guys did an awesome job. Uh, so, if someone is saying, "Hey, we need Darren and Carrie. Uh, we need their advice. We need to pick their brain. We want to talk about B two B e-commerce." How can they get a hold of someone at at E Seven? Yeah, sure. We um, so I've got a simple email that they can use. Um, don't worry, this is not a generic kind of right. It's going to actually come directly to me. It's just easier to remember. We can send an email to sales at e7solutions.com. Um, please visit our website. We've got lots of great content on our website regarding B2B e-commerce. It's e7solutions.com. And of course, you could contact Carrie or I directly. Mine is uh, D-A-R-R-E-N dot Sepanic, S-E-P-A-N-E-K at E7solutions.com. Carrie is C-A-R-R-I-E dot W-E-I-D-E-N-B-A-C-H at E7solutions.com. <laughs> Way easier to just do sales at E7solutions.com. Absolutely. Absolutely. We'll, <laughs> and we'll put out. that, I'll put sales <laughs> at, I'll put sales at in the call notes as yeah, well. Exactly. So. Yeah, good. <laughs> Well, hey, who who could have thought that we could make B two B commerce so much fun? And so uh, it that, that was is, awesome. isn't it? <laughs> it really is. But I I, just, I love solutions. Like I love stuff that works and it's solving real world problems with technology. It's it's cool stuff. So, uh, Carrie, Darren, thank you so much. You guys were awesome. Thanks for coming on the show. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you for having us, Brett. We really appreciate it. Absolutely. So that'll wrap it up for this episode. As always, let us know what you'd like to hear more of or less of. And we'd love your feedback on iTunes. Uh, leave us a review there if you feel so inclined. And with that, thank you for tuning in. At OMG Commerce, we accelerate growth for some of the most loved brands in e-commerce, like Boom, Native, True Earth, Overtone, and dozens more. If your Google and YouTube ad performance isn't where it should be, if you're struggling with Performance Max, or if you're not scaling like you'd like on Amazon, then we have two ways to help. One, we have amazing resources that are free for the taking, like our top YouTube ads guide with lots of examples, our PMAX checklist, or our Amazon DSP roadmap, plus many more. Or hit us up for a free strategy session. So go on over to omgcommerce.com and click on Let's Talk to request that free strategy session, or click on Resources and Guides and pick the guide that's right for you. And now back to the show.